What is the deal? How do you feel? My name is Chris Ferguson from the Split Decision Podcast, and we're about to get into my recent chat with Shannon Ross, one of the newest flyweights on the UFC roster who's making his promotional debut at UFC 284 in Perth, February 2023. Now, Shannon had a real roller coaster ride to get him to this point. It includes suffering a ruptured appendix days before his contender series fight earlier in the year. We do go in depth on that. We chat about his upcoming debut as well as a heap more for you to wrap your ears around. Um, if you do enjoy the interview, please don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening on. That sort of goes a long way to help push us to a wider audience. And uh, keep your eyes on the Split Decision MMA YouTube as well for a special video version of this chat in the future, as well as a heap of other content that we're pushing out. Um, so without any further ado, let's get into this chat with Shannon. All right, I am here with Mr. Shannon Ross before he makes his UFC debut at UFC 284 in Perth on February 12th next year. Um, we'll get into all that, but Shannon, mate, how, what's been going on? How are you since we, uh, we last spoke? Yeah, last spoke, did the potty, sort of got deleted. Yeah, we won't talk about what happened there, <laughs> eh? We can uh, re- recap on it all now, but yeah, yeah been, been really good since then. Back training, obviously, after everything that happened in Vegas, but... Now I'm back training, back moving, body's feeling great, feeling really fresh after a good little good little break after the fight and yeah, feeling feeling really happy. No hiccups in the um, in the healing process at all in the recovery? Nah, no hiccups at all. Um, did a did a Pilates block with my strength and conditioning coach. Thought it was a little bit weird to get started, but yeah, Pilates is pretty hard and yeah, we got through that built the abdominal wall back up and now we're back into training and strength and lifting and wrestling and everything's going good now, so yeah. Awesome, man. See, on that Pilates note, my wife has been trying to get me into Pilates. I've got a bum yeah. knee and she reckons it'll be fantastic for that. Can you, what do you reckon of Pilates? Like you said it was weird going in. What's your opinion of it coming out of it? Yeah, I was looking at it going in thinking like, what am I doing this shit yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. This is Pilates, it's for what, like, what, it has that criteria of who it suits, right? And I'm like, I'm a pro athlete and a fighter, this is a bit mundane, but then I got there and it's actually pretty hard work and it's actually really, really good. The, like, the stabilizers and control work is like, it's really high level. So once we dived in, it was, we could see it was working and we, we got the four weeks done and then into some lifting some weights and yeah, obviously paid off because I'm perfect now, so. Good to hear, yeah. man, good to hear. So let's take it back a little bit to Early, what, 2022, early this year, you were you're on the verge of retirement. Yeah. And then, yep. you know, come full circle, what are we now? Middle November, UFC debuts booked, home soil. Can you, like, is that, is that mental to think about to you? <laughs> yeah, it is. I've I said it to a few different people. It's funny how the world really pushes you to the edge until you, you get what you've worked for. So... Um, yeah, the start of the year, obviously after I fought in Abu Dhabi, cost me 20 grand to get home in flights and quarantine and all that sort of stuff because of COVID. And then the start of the year, we were going down the same track. It was hard to get fights. It was hard to get something worthwhile and motivating and that got me out of bed. And then I was pretty much maybe like, the end of Feb, I said to like my wife, I was like, I'm, I think I'm ready. I think I've had enough. Like, just with everything that's going on with COVID and how hard it is to get a fight and the international scene and even getting fights locally, shows cancelling and lockdowns and the stuff like that happening. I was like, 
maybe it's time for me to move on with the next chapter of life now. Maybe did, business and that sort of stuff. Did or, that Steve Erseg loss have anything to do with how you were feeling at that time as well? No, nah, not at no, all. not at all. So strictly the COVID thing that was making it so hard to yeah. compete and compete at a high level. For me, with my family, it's hard to get out of bed to go and fight a, go, a guy that's two and eight. Mm. Like for me, it's not worth my time. So I want to fight the best and prove that I'm the best. So it was real hard to get fights at the time. And then all of a sudden March come around and it was like, bang, the world's open. The fight shows are happening. And we're talking to Eternal. Eternal got us the title fight with uh, Sean Etchell mm -hmm. from Tasmania. So he was coming back down to Flyway. And I was like, okay, we're, I'm going to welcome him back down to Flyway. Let's get it done. He's a good fight, interests me, gets me out of bed. Obviously, he's well-known in the Australian circuit, and that's a challenge. So I was excited. I was, okay, we're back on. We're pumped. I'm ready. I'm going. And then as soon as we signed that deal, it's like, hey, Contender Series want you. And it was like, it was this weird thing. Like, yeah, one month, one, two months ago, I was ready to... Hang it was, everything was crazy. The world was still in shambles. You couldn't travel. You couldn't... Fight shows were having a hard time getting going. And then a month later, it's like, okay, you're going to Vegas in May to do your promotional duties, do all the, all the uh, stuff with the doctors, all the medicals, all the stuff like that, all your bloods over in Vegas. So we got to Vegas, it was like the world had changed in like overnight, it was insane. And then obviously come back, do my camp, go over and fight. And yeah, now we've got a contract and we're heading to Perth to make the debut. So. In a matter of, I don't know, what do you call it, six months, it's like, it's been a whirlwind. It's went from one one end of the spectrum to the other, and mm. yeah, now we're ready to get this next chapter rolling. Proper roller coaster, man, eh? Yeah, dude, like, from, the, from then, at the start of the year till now, and like, everything that happened in between, it was just, it's like, it's absolutely chaos. Like, if you were doing a movie, you couldn't think of a better story, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for a, for a plot and the twists and everything that happened, like it's just suits that narrative. Like this is made up, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's what happens in real life sometimes. So. And hard earned too, dude. Yeah, hard -earned. like that's been everything for me since I started fighting. Is everything's been really really hard earned. Like nothing's been given to me, even on the local circuit, fighting for titles and things. I think I was in position for and got looked over and took me double the amount of work to get to the title than other people. So everything's been hard work. So that's why when all these obstacles arose, getting to Vegas, it was like, this is just another day in my life. This is just one more thing I've got to push through. So it's sort of, I was forged to go through that and I come out the other side pretty good, I think. Yeah, awesome. Um, I do want to touch on the, the Contender Series thing itself, but before yep. we get into that, like, what is your reason for fighting? Like, why do you fight? What got you into fighting and why do you continue um, to fight? For me, I come from a family of seven kids with there's six boys in the family. Um, I was, I've got two younger brothers and three older brothers. We'll probably fight in our whole lives amongst each other. So it almost felt like a natural thing. When I started training after I finished playing football, fighting, it didn't scare me. And it, when I see other people fighting and I see the nerves they get and that anxiousness and the they're out of their comfort zone. For me, I was like, this feels normal. Mm. 
So that it was really easy to gravitate towards it and continue down that journey and sort of keep pushing. Why I started fighting is like, I obviously finished playing football, I was having injuries and I'm pretty small and you're trying to tackle 120 kilo Maoris and it's not really great on, great on my body. So yeah, we went to boxing, started training, did a little bit of that and within a couple of months I had my first fight and yeah, won, and won by knockout and that feeling that that ultimate high and that you, you can't get, I, I can't get it anywhere else. So it was like, how do I get that again? I'll fight more. It's I'll a drug, more. right? Yeah, exactly. Like the endorphins it releases, the highs, it's, it's like this untapped thing that nothing else can produce. So for me, it was like, I got to do it more to refine that. So I kept doing it and kept, and I just, my life, I feel like I was built for fighting. So when I started doing it more, it felt natural and it felt good. And then obviously the deeper I got in, the, the more it kept me disciplined and out of trouble and out of making silly choices in life and that sort of thing. So it was just the right pathway for me to chase. You talk about not getting any nerves. Is that still something like you don't generally face any nerves when you walk into the ring? No, like, even in Vegas, out the back, I felt totally at home. It was like, man, I belong here and I've done... I don't get nervous because I know I've done the work. Yeah. That's why I don't get nervous. I get that little bit of a butterfly effect, but I know that's good because that means I'm ready, I'm, this means a lot to me, and I'm ready to perform. Mm -hmm. I don't get nervous as in a way of like shut down and anxious and I'm scared of the moment because I know I've done the work and I know I'm ready for it and I belong on that stage. So out the back, I'm really, really comfortable and I'm feeling at home and yeah, I'm feeling quite confident and walking out, it just sort of gets better and better and better as I go out and then get in there and start going. And obviously my fighting style sort of shows I'm not scared and I'm not nervous to fight. So. It sort of speaks for itself. Yeah, no, that's definitely one thing people are not going to be able to, uh, <laughs> to, to put you down about is your yeah. style at all, man. Um, so getting that, that Contender Series call, you'd obviously, I know you'd said Sean, uh, Sean Shelby you'd spoken. Was it Sean or Mick, Mick that you'd I spoke, spoken to? I spoke to Mick in 2019 when they come out yeah. for yep. the Melbourne UFC, Israel versus Rob number one. Mm -hmm. I went down and had a meeting with Mick and they were really keen on me back then. And then obviously you fast forward a couple of months and COVID kicks off. Yeah, yeah. So it was like from the end of, the back end of 2019, the start of 2020, to like now where it was like this break in the world. Yeah, and just the nothing going on. Mick said like, the UFC is not touching anyone from Australia. Like you guys have the most insane COVID, quarantine, restrictions, Everything. that for us to sign you, it's, it's hard work. Like, it's gonna make everything about your fight like 10 times harder. You just, they'd just be rolling the dice on it, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Point, right? they're, yeah. Just, they're just having a go and even seeing if I can get out of the country, you had to fill out all these declarations and prove why you're leaving. And you can't just go for a holiday. You had to, uh, when I fought in Abu Dhabi, I had to send my fight contracts into the embassy and, get them to sign off on it as it's work, legitimacy, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was hard even to get to Abu Dhabi for that. So I think with the UFC, it would have even been like more strict, like, um, but yeah, that was the conversation at the end of 2019, and then moving forward, COVID kicks off, and it was just, everything's on the back burner, and yeah, we had obviously had that Ersig hiccup on Eternal, 
I went to Japan for a month. I come back. Mm -hmm. I obviously had a very short camp. Um, the fight didn't go as planned. We we tried to get that fight back in that COVID period. Yeah. Couldn't get it happening. Um, and then yeah, the the contender series call comes around when we have a match with Sean Etchell. Um, what were the emotions when you like? Uh, was that like? That's got to be validating, right? To finally get that call, like, after yeah. everything that had gone on. Yeah. Like, 100%. Like, for me to know, not very many people know what fighters go through and what you put in to get to the top, even just on the regional circuit. Mm -hmm. So for me, after going to Abu Dhabi and forking out 20 grand to get home, like, spending money that, could be for my kids or renovations or business opportunities moving further. The validation comes in knowing that I invested in myself and know that I actually lay, like took risk and put that into myself for my career and then it's all come full circle and I've got that contract. Let's talk about the, the Content to Series fight itself. Yep. Can you walk me through that process? So before you even get there, there's dramas with the passport. There yeah. were issues in training camp from memory, a couple of little things going on during training camp itself. Yeah, a couple of little things. And then you get over there. How long between you getting there, uh, touching down and realizing that there's something not quite right going on in your stomach? Um, I probably think it was after maybe the first day or second day I was there. We, me and my team, we went out to Red Rock Canyon, just get out of the hotels, get out of there in a city bustle there in Vegas, get out, have a bit of a look around. We're out in the desert. I'm with my strength and conditioning coach, Dean Phelps, who owns Fighting Pit Physio. He's the head physiologist there. And I'm in the desert and I'm shivering. And he's going, what's going on with you? And I was like, oh, I'm just cold, bro. I'm lean, I'm fucking got not, not much body fat on me at the moment. <laughs> Skinny, I'm hungry, I'm just a bit cold. And he's like, oh, it's, we're in the desert, it's 45 <laughs> degrees. You shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be cold and shivering. So looking back now, that's probably the first place where we sort of seen it arising. Um, more than likely, <laughs> I think it was just full blown stress induced appendicitis. Right. Because even at the start of fight camp, we're getting ready, my athlete visa gets denied. So then I'm like, fuck, I'm like trying to do my whole camp on the hopes of we get an emergency athlete visa granted. So you don't even know if you're fighting at that point, so you're yeah, just trying so, to motivate so yourself. Yeah, so eight weeks or... out, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm fighting because you can't go, you can, you can go there without a visa and you can fucking watch, you can do whatever you want, but you can't, you can't fight and work. you can't earn money. So I pretty much start my camp on like the hope of this athlete visa is going to get granted, like an emergency athlete visa. So we send my passport and all the documentation down to the, the American Embassy in Sydney and file for it. And then it's just, we're just training. And like, I'm like, this is the biggest chance in my life, mm. in my career. So I'm fucking training the house down. I'm doing everything like I need to be doing. I'm eating properly, I'm fueling properly, I'm doing all my sessions, my strength my recovery. I'm doing everything to a T. I take six weeks off work. 
I'm like back to that thing in Abu Dhabi, like I'm reinvesting in myself and making sure that I'm doing everything that the, the most I can do for myself to make sure I have the best chance. It literally gets up to like six days before I'm meant to fly out. And it's like the Thursday night of afternoon. And it's like, yeah, your athlete visa's been granted. It's been stamped in the passport. And I'm like, fuck man, like, I'm glad I've done everything to a T because now I'm in the best position I can be in. Where I know like a lot of people would have been like, I don't know if I'm going, I can skip this session. I don't know if I'm gonna get over there. I might go eat some KFC or some bullshit. That's what you know I was what gonna I mean? say. Like, like, how do you partition your mind like that to be fo solely focused on one thing with the possibility that it's not even gonna happen? Like, For me, it's like over these years of, like I said to you, like being forged in these hard circumstances and like getting up, overlooked and me having to push through that it's just made that resilience like that dedication and that resilience to like pursuing my goal yeah and my goal has always been the ufc yeah i've never i've i've never been shy to say that and i've and i've turned down other opportunities in other areas that were not my goal like yeah we can get a bellator contract that's not what i want we can get this contract. We could have went back to UAE Warriors. Like, that is, that's not what I've trained and like killed myself for these 13 years to fall for second best. Mm. So it was like the whole time I'm going through training, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, this is what I've fucking worked for. Like, don't, don't give up now. Like, we haven't come this far just to come this far. Yeah. So like, it was, it was easy to like keep pushing through because we went through all that stuff and then. Yeah, it gets granted on the Thursday. We're flying out the next Wednesday. How, mate, I would have nearly been reduced to tears when I got that call. Like, oh, dude, it was happy, like right? when the when it come through and the UFC correspondents let us know that it was like granted and it's coming up. And then the embassy called up my wife and they said like, "How do you want to get it?" And there was a bit of a muddle up there. Like it was selected to be picked up at the embassy, but the embassy's in Sydney, so then we're up here on the Goldie, and then it was like, oh, a little bit of a shit fight then, and we've obviously spoke to them and sorted a way they could express post it up. So yeah, when it got approved and like it come through, it was just like, oh man, like there's the weight of the world is off my back now. Like, and everything that I did was for a reason. Yeah. Like we're going now. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, okay, it's on its way. It's getting, it's got posted. And then Friday morning, the passport lands on the Gold Coast, and I'm like, sweet. <laughs> like it's smooth sailing yeah, from here, think, right? Well, like, yeah, no more dramas. You're all sorted. It's all good. Friday lunchtime, the tracking changes from like getting delivered to pending, and I'm like, that's fucking weird. So I'm like, call up the call up Australia Post and Star Trek. What's going on with this parcel number? Right, right. They're like, oh, about that. The other 10 items that had come up on the air freight have all been delivered. And that one's sort of <laughs> missing, gone, disappeared, lost. And I'm like, <laughs> and like just going back to all those hardships. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why is the world just testing me and just push you. and just pushing every like way it can to mm. see if i'm ready for this opportunity yeah yeah i'm like oh man so then i'm like explaining to them look 
this is my passport. I've just had my athlete visa. It gets like stamped in it like electronically now. All the passports have the little chips and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not like I can cancel my passport and get an emergency one at the embassy and fly out because I need the visa. The only way you can get the visa is to have it stamped in there. So it's like, so I tell them all this, I tell them what's going on. I'm flying out to the States on Wednesday night and they're like, okay, we're going to escalate it and we're going to start like the manhunt for it. I'm like, okay. Then obviously that's Friday. Friday goes, they can't find it. Saturday and Sunday, no one's working. Monday comes, they can't find it. And like, we're in contact with them like every one or two hours. My wife's onto them, I'm onto them. Like, gets to like Wednesday, still can't find it. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be flying out tonight. Like, and all while this is happening, it's like, I'm cutting weight, I'm getting ready for like my water load and all that sort of stuff to, so when I fly, I get there, I'm in a good position to cut weight. So all that's happening and I'm like, the same thing, I'm just like, just keep focused, just keep pushing on with the journey, like the challenge. The challenge now is just being in a position, when it comes through, we're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just staying on the task at hand and I'm pushing forward. Wednesday afternoon, they can't find it. Ring up the UFC, like, still can't find my passport. Can we change the flights till tomorrow? So we miss, our, miss my first flights out of there. And then I'm like, well, I'm not flying out Wednesday night. I'm going to head up to my boxing gym. I'll get another sparring session in before I have to leave. Mm. One more session in the books, get a little bit sharper and a little bit more focused. Take that sort of, that worry out of the back of my head. Just let me get to training and train and focus on what's in front of me. I leave there, I head to the sauna, just jump in the sauna for half an hour, 45, have a bit of a sweat out just getting that body used to like the heat, that sort of stuff. It's crazy, like full, like this, this is the craziest fit. I don't know if I told you in the podcast, but like I leave the sauna, the wife's going to netball with all the kids. They want a frozen Coke. So I'm like, sweet, I'll pull in the Maccas. I'll get them frozen Cokes. I'll go pick the kids up so the wife can play netball. Like we do this two or three times a week. We, we swap over, we do the, yeah. do the kid change. Yeah. So, my wife needs a little escape as well. I'm here training and escaping from like that side of life. So when I get back, I can give back 100% there. So she needs the same thing. It's, it's, it's a healthy thing to be yeah. able to have something that's for you. So I pull into Macca's, I get these frozen Cokes for the kids. I'm driving out and I see this shooting star and it's like... No way. It's like, it's low and it's just, it's like a good five seconds and I'm like, Fuck man, like, if there's ever a time that like, I need something to go right for me, like, can I please just get my passport tomorrow? Yeah. And then I'm driving down the highway and I'm sort of like, sort of a bit emotional, like, fuck, is this gonna happen? Is it not? And then I'm like, the shooting stars are signed. And then like, one of my best mates, like Guy Borges, he committed suicide in 2015. But the only time I ever see stuff like that is when it's like a little thing from him. He's like saying hi, or he's fucking being cheeky, or giving me a fucking little, how you going? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm driving down the highway and I'm talking to myself in the car before I get the kids. I'm like, I'm like, Borgie, if that's you with the shooting star, if you're fucking, shut, like, if you're hinting at me, like, and you're giving me a sign, can you at least fucking like come through this thing tomorrow? <laughs> like at least have a crack, bro. So I'm like talking to myself and that, and then I 
get to the get to netball. I grabbed the kids. We head home. I don't tell anyone about this shooting star, right? And then like Thursday comes about, and me and the wife sort of work out like the only way, the only place this passport could be is in the bag that all the items come up on the air freight. Like they've turned the the Molendina facility upside down. They can't find it. They've looked in the vans that are all, like, the only place it could be is stuck in the bag. So we ring up this gentleman's name, Steve, and he's like the manager at the Molendina Australia Post. Mm -hmm. And I, I call him up and I say, Steve, what's the chances the passport, it's a small envelope, has been stuck in the bag, it didn't come out? He's like, oh, it does happen sometimes. And I'm like, well, can we have a look in these fucking bags? Can we, like, count that out? And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Well, fuck me, like, why has no one checked yet? Yeah, like, why has no one checked yet? So he goes, I'm oh. going to find where the bags are, and then we're going to get onto it. And he rings me back, he says, look, all the bags go into a truck, and they all get transferred out to Red Bank Plains in Brizzy, but then they all get refilled, and they go back into recirculation. So he's like, if, though, if that bag the passport's in has, been, has more stuff put in it, it could be anywhere, WA, Northern Territory, like you won't know until the passport comes out. Yeah. But he goes, I'm gonna drive out to Red Bank Plains now and I'm gonna start trying to find the truck that the bags are in. I'm like, all right, I'm like, keep me updated, like keep me posted, like that's fucking awesome. And he calls me and goes, mate, good news, the truck hasn't been emptied yet. So there's a thousand of these bags in the back of a truck. He goes, we're gonna go through them now. And then literally like, the UFC called me out like, well, my manager calls me out like 12 and he says, mate, if we don't like have some good evidence that this passport's close by in the next couple of hours, like you're getting canceled. Yeah. Like we're going to fly someone else in or find someone locally for your opponent to fight. Which is only fair. He's done a camp. He's put all the work in. And I'm like, Danny, I'm like, look, give me fucking like a couple more hours. Like I've taken all this time off work, I've yeah. smashed myself, I've done everything I've needed to do. And he goes, look, if you can get the UFC some evidence that the passport's close by, we'll get a few more hours. So my wife, like, she's an absolute G. She, like, gets the footage of the passport on the conveyor belt, uh, leaving Sydney, and sends that to her and says... As evidence that you've nearly got as it. As evidence as this was it in Molendina, oh, which is no. 10 minutes away. So they, they get that, they call, but like, 100% shouldn't have done. But fuck, this is my dream. I've yeah, got to fucking... It's literally coming I'm, down to the like, to I've got to push the man. barriers yeah. everywhere I can push it, right? And this is about that thing, like, going to the next extent of, and having someone in your corner, like my wife, who believes in my dream just as much as I do and backs me and supports me. So she sends that footage and says, look, this is the passport in Molendina. It's not far, it's obviously it's there, it's somewhere. Like, they go, look, you got like five more hours. So this is at 12 o'clock. At 3.30, I'm like at home and I'm just like, my wife's like, oh, you're handling this real well. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, inside I'm not handling it well. But on the outside, I'm just fucking like emotionless. I'm just like, there's just nothing like. So she thinks I'm handling it good, but inside I'm like, I'm wild. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm like, I'm on the edge of my seat. And then at 3.30, Steve rings and he goes, mate, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, I've just found your passport. It's just fallen out of this bag. And I'm like, 
fuck, man. I'm like on the phone. I'm like getting goosebumps yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Like the feeling of like hearing that, like the passports here, they've got it. My my bag is already packed. They're fucking sitting on the lounge room floor. Like I'm ready to throw them in the car and go. So the missus has went to pick the kids up from school. I've got this call. Another lady's called her. So I'm like, quick, like get home. And then I say to, say to Steve, like, look, mate, I can't get out to you and get to International Airport and check in and do all that with the time that we've got before this flight at 6 p.m. Like, I've got two and a half hours and I've got to be there like within the next hour to check in. So I call my manager, we've got the passport. Boom, all good, ready to roll. We start heading to Brisbane. Steve drives the passport to the airport. Like, absolutely phenomenal guy, man. Like, it's like an hour and some drive, right? Yeah, and like, Australia Post were awesome through all this. Yeah. Like, I said to one of the girls at the start, like, look, I'm probably going to get angry through this somewhere, but just remember, this is not at you. Like, I'm going to tell you now before I lose it, like, this is not towards you or your fault. It's just this situation. Like, this is my dream and this is what I've worked on for 13 years. Yeah, yeah. And to know someone slipped up somewhere out of my control on your end, I'm probably going to lose it somewhere. So just know this. So through it all, when, like, I've explained this to them, and yeah, I would have got heated at times, but they know, like, how much this means to me. So they've kept pushing as well. Yeah. So we're sitting at the airport. Steve calls me, he's on the way to the airport, we're on the way to the airport, it's like this mad dash. Obviously the time is still ticking down. We get to the airport first, I go to the, uh, like go to sort of book in my flights and like check in and check that. Check in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, explain to the lady, look I don't have my passport, it's on its way, it's coming to the airport. And she's like, don't worry, it's all good, like we know you're here. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck man, like, Things are starting to go the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, things are starting to like, this is looking good. So I'm like, sweet. So Steve, Steve goes, hey mate, I'm just pulling up out of the fucking drop off at the thing, come out. I'm, sweet, so I run out, me and the wife head out, get the passport. Like, he's an absolute, like, he's stoked, like, he's more stoked that they found it than like what I am at this point. Like, Steve, if you're ever watching this, mate, you're Man, a G. Like, he's like, mate, I've got it. He's just, he's fucking wrapped, right? Yeah, he's yeah, pumped. Yeah. Um, pulls up, we go out, get the passport, have a quick chat with him. He gives me the passport and he says, mate, I've got someone. This is where that bit of the story with the shooting star and that, it all gets a little bit crazy right now because he goes, look, I've got someone that works at the Molodona clinic, uh, depot that knows you really well. And I'm like thinking, fuck, I don't know anyone that works there. Yeah. I'm like, and he like keeps sort of reiterating this and he's like, yeah, she was adamant that we got you this passport and was adamant that we went out to Red Bank Plains and checked those bags and she was just pushing the whole time to make sure we did everything we could do for you. And, and I'm like, in my head, like, fuck, I don't know anyone that works at this trade post. So I say to her, I'm like, all right, I'm like, Steve, let me in on the gag, like, who was it that, that works at the Australia Post? Like, who's backing me there? Like, who's on my team? And he goes, it's Michelle Doyle. And, like, it literally took me, like, three seconds, man, and I was like, fuck. Like, that's my mate's mum that committed suicide. My good mate, Guy oh, Borgus. no way. It's his mum, bro, that works there. So when all this shit's happening with the shooting star... And I'm saying, Borgie, if that's you, 
I'm like, and you're gonna fucking help me out. I'm like, at least come through. Like, fucking do your job. And then when Steve says Michelle Doyle, man, I was just like, you can see the goosebumps I get because it's like, I was like, holy fuck, man. Like, if there's not anything to like, I don't know. Some people believe in that and some people don't. And But I don't know, man. If there's, there's some, some things if, that just go beyond regular. Exactly. Yeah, if, there, you, if there's proof to say that there's like this out of fucking power or whatever you want to call it. It's yeah. like, man, for me, it's like I can say like I've had that experience now. And like it was like, man, it's like getting that passport and like him saying that it was like, holy shit, bro. Like. This is meant man. to. This is meant to be. Like, I th- maybe it was meant to get lost, and boy, he was meant to be like fucking because he used to be my strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was like maybe it was like just his way of saying like, fucking good work, congratulations, you fucking did it. Even when I was like winning regional circuits, I was like, that was for him because like and re- winning titles on Nitro and Eternal was like. He put so much time and effort into me back before I was anyone. Yeah. I was like, this is why I kept working so I can like say we sort of we did it together. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, have you spoken to his mum since then? Like, yeah, I have, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like I sort of told her and she was just like, she's like blown away as well, like how like that can happen. And she still says the same thing, like she gets little signs and from time to time and it's um yeah it's a it's it's a crazy thing and then obviously I get the passport and I'm like it's smooth sailing baby like we're going over and then obviously we get to LAX <laughs> we miss our connecting flight to Vegas there's no more flights into Vegas that oh, night I didn't hear this yeah so it's like oh, there's no. just there's just another little t- turn and twist and fucking so we're like fuck all right like we're already one day late because we missed our flights the day before. Now we're there. Now we've got to stay a night in LAX. We're another day late. I'm like, all right, we'll just stay in LAX tonight. We get a, we get a room that's got a gym. I get my training in. I get a run in. I put my sweatsuit on. I do what, I do my shit I got to do. I just stay on the plan, man. There's nothing's fucking stopping us. Perfect. Next morning, get our connecting flight to Vegas. We're at the Florida Hotel. We're checked in. It's locked and loaded. There's nothing more that can happen now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, we're here. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah. Nothing's fucking, nothing's going wrong now. <laughs> we're, we're in Las Vegas. Like, next minute, I'm in the desert and I'm fucking shivering. And, like, Dean, my head strength and conditioning coach now, he's like, that's not fucking right. Like, he's knowing something and something's up, but he's sort of trying to... Keep it cool. Oh, yeah, 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 like, fuck, yeah, maybe. Like, he's trying to be smart, not worry me. Don't, don't want to get me stressed out. Obviously, we go in. The next couple of days are pretty smooth besides this weird sort of pain I've got in my stomach and I'm just pushing it to the back of my head like it's fight week and I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. Stop being a fucking pussy and get on with it. You know what I mean? Like, I've built this like, don't, don't take a backward step attitude. Yeah, yeah. Same as my fighting style. It's like, man, yeah, I'm hungry, I'm sore, but we still, we signed the dotted line at 125 pounds, that's what we've got to do. You get a one-track mind at that Exactly, point, right? so yeah. I'm just pushing through. Gets to the, gets to weigh-in day, wake up early. The night before, I'm actually, it's like the worst part of like the pain I've had, like, a, and I'm like laying there and I'm like, and then that's making me think even more, like, it's closer to cutting weight, I'm just even more hungry, I'm just, 
I'm getting lean, my stomach wants food, carbohydrates, wants that sort of, all right, just push it to the back of your head, get to sleep, get to bed, wake up early, cut the weight, start cutting weight. Cutting weight's going great. I get out of the first bath, I'm feeling good. Get up, put my sweatsuit on, sweet sweat, walk out, boom, fully pass out. Like, full unconscious, man. Like, fully, like, shaking and, like, looking back now, my Dean's like, it's probably, like, an induced, like, low blood pressure yeah. thing. Plus everything else that was going on with the body and the appendicitis and, like, and then, like, Any I'll, doctors called in at this point? <laughs> nah, no, bro. Not like, a chance. <laughs> when I woke up, one of the boys is like, I had Ben, ben Ewan out there as yep, well. Yep. You know, past flyweight UFC, like high level guy, awesome dude. So he was out there visiting his family. I flew him into Vegas just so I had someone there my oh, size nice. and yep. someone that knew the ropes. I wake up from after being out for like a couple minutes or something, and like one of the boys is like, "Oh fuck, we should get the like that was pretty fucking crazy. We should get the doctor up and check." And I'm like, look at him, and I'm like, no one's calling the fucking doctor, bro, except me. Like, if I'm gonna, if someone's calling the doctor, I'll tell you I'm ready to call the doctor. So I crawl over, I get in the sauna blanket, and I just keep cutting away. Oh, mate. Is this, did you tell your wife about this at this point? Like, no. No, I was gonna right. say. She didn't even know about that until after the surgery. Oh, no. I was dude. like, look, I've had the surgery and I'm doing good. I'm gonna tell you, yeah, I passed out during, and she's like, what the fuck? Why has no one told me this? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can tell you now, I just, I had surgery. What's worse, the worst that can happen? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So I crawl over, I get in the cocoon. After like the first, the first bath and the first wrap, I've like lost two kilos. And I'm like, that's fucking massive for me. Yeah. Like usually, usually I'm losing four or 500. And I'm like, I'm like, I've lost two kilos. I'm like, I'm not even getting back in the bath. I'm like, I'm just gonna hop back in the sauna blanket, sweat another four or 500 off and I'm on weight. Yeah, be right to go. So then after that, then the weight cut starts going real good. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, this everyone's fucking with me. Go down, weigh in, rehydrate, fucking perfect, feel great, like, awesome. Next day, like, have a gr have the best sleep of my life that night. My stomach stopped hurting. Don't know what's going on there. Everything's oh, I've good. got food, and then I'm thinking, yeah, it was. I was just hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've got food back in. I'm hydrated. I'm feeling good. Have a little hit out in the morning. Warming up with Ben 10, do like a little bit of striking, a little bit of scenario stuff. He jumps on my back, like different positions. Just go over what happens in the fire, how are we gonna address it? Puts me in a body triangle and squeezes it. And I'm like, fuck man, I get a real sharp pain. And I'm like, I thought at the start, I thought, oh my like, ribs sort of mm. like got pushed over or the cartilage popped or, and then I stand up, I move around and I'm like, oh, my ribs sweet. Oh, I don't know what that pain was. Looking back now, like what we know, like what we went through, like that was my appendix rupturing because oh. like the pain was pretty like So it, right, you think it ruptured in that point there when he put the body triangle on? Yeah, yeah I know it did. Oh, no. Because obviously when we've got there after the fight the next day and they've said like, for you to be in the condition that you're in and to have a ruptured appendix, it had to be inflamed for at least four days before. Yeah, right. So you're talking the whole fight week up, and then I get this weird pain on the body triangle. That's, I know that's when it ruptured. Yeah. So then that's in the morning of the fight. So really, all day leading up to the fight, I've got this appendix just leaking Whatever. toxicity oh, into my no. body. 
and I'm just getting like... But it wasn't hurting at this point. It wasn't hurting, no. So by the time the fight happens and the next day and I get to the hospital, they're like, you've got full-blown septicemia, like blood poisoning. They're like, if you flew home today on a 14-hour flight, you, would have been dead. you could have died in like on the flight in the air. So like, obviously just rewind back. We're out the back of, like I was saying to you, I'm out the back before the fight. I'm feeling confident. I've got that little bit of like butterflies, like mm. fucking this is what I've worked for. I've done the camp. I pushed through all that hardship. I know I'm ready. I know I've done the hard work to get here. I know I'm primed and I'm in this position because I've done the work. Walk, go out, walk out. I see my family on the TV, like fuck, that pumps me up. Like. There's my kids, there's my wife, like, that fucking excites me, that gets me even more, like, motivated. Go in, feel at home, feel confident, see Dana and Mick, Sean there, behind my corner, I'm like, this is fucking mad. Obviously, the fight kicks off and uh, Salvador's throwing some pretty, like, weird sort of... He's pretty unorthodox, right? He's throwing some weird kicks and some behind-the-back foot kicks and he's doing a bit of weird stuff and that, like, that's just his style. Mm -hmm. I think that's how he's always fought. Throws this fly knee, lands a good hook off the knee, which is a pretty unorthodox sort of thing. Hits me clean, puts me down. And, like, in that moment, I can remember, like, it's pitch black. And I can feel that a few shots landing. And I've just got this like voice inside my head. It's like, not yet, brother, not yet. And then I just boom, wrestle up, keep fighting, like. Give me goosebumps. Oh, right? dude, it's like, <laughs> it's the most surreal thing to think all of this has happened to one person. Mm. All the stuff in the lead up, like all this shit, like, like I was saying to you, like to script a movie, you like look for these plots and these twists and like whatever. And then I wrestle up. The round, the round one's going on, fuck, I start landing, we get in that bit of a firefight, I'm obviously, he's obviously dropped me and rocked me and it's like, now it's like on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, fuck, I'm not taking a step back. Yeah, no. And it's like, my coaches are like, ah, like, fuck, like, stop fighting like that. And I'm like, fuck, bro, I'm pushing forward. I'm like. That's all you can do at that like, point, right? Yeah, like, man, it's like, you get on that autopilot and like, that's who I am inside me, right? I'm mm -hmm. a fighter and like, I've been a fighter ever since I was a young kid. So it's like, when that fight or flight response happens, I don't ever try to get away. I'm not flying or running or nothing. I'm going through whatever the hardship is. Yeah. So I'm pushing forward and then, by the end of round one, I'm like, oh, this dude's fucking slowing down a bit. I'm like, he's tried hard to put me away and he's he fucking himself blown out. himself out. And I'm walking back to the corner and I'm like to Dana, Dana, I want a new boss. I'm like, I don't want to be a mechanic anymore. And he's like, bro, he's like, keep fighting. Like, that was a pretty fucking crazy round. Like, so sweet, recovering the round break. I've got like my recovery down point. Dean, who I do all my conditioning with, he knows how my body's, I go out round two, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling recovered, refreshed. I start picking up the pace and I'm starting to land my shots and I'm starting to run away with this round, I think. And I'm like, all right, during the round, I'm thinking, I'm pulling away with this round, but I already know I'm down one round. Maybe a 10-8 even, right? So it's like, I'm not gonna be safe now and try to pick points and try to steal a decision here. I'm like, 
I'm fucking committed to putting this dude out. And if that comes at the expense of me going out, and I know a lot of people say this shit, if I, if I got to go out on my shield, I'll be lucky. A lot, right. of, a lot yeah. of people like to say that, but show me. Show me in your fights that you, you do that and you want to do that and you're exciting and you fucking put it all on the line. So yeah, I'm running away with this round and then I'm like, I'm just going to keep turning it up now. I'm just going to keep applying the pressure. I'm just going to, I'm landing my shots. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm putting this dude away or I'm going away because that's the way I cement my spot yeah. in the UFC. That's how I get this contract. Coming back from that hard round in round one, probably being behind and showing that I can go through hell and come out on the other side and fucking... And keep putting it on. Obviously, fighting the way I fight and pushing forward, sometimes you fucking, you do go out on your shield. And yeah, Vicente, or Salvador, he's long. He's got a very unique sort of weird style. He throw, he, I think I'm landing shots and getting out of range. And the dude's got a 74 inch reach and I'm like 64 inch reach. Like, that's a welterweight reach, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think I'm getting out of range and he's still fucking landing these clean hooks on, like, perfect. Yep. Fuck it, once you've been put down once, it only takes a, a few clean more ones and you're, like, you're not on 100% health anymore. You slowly... Just, do you, in a first round like that, do you go into the second round with like, was there much of a, like, did you get much of a feeling out process going into that second round? Had you established sort of the range and everything at that point? Or were you still trying to figure it all out it was, in that fight? It was quite hard to work out because he was throwing these weird behind the foot kicks yeah. and these fucking sort of like capoeira low rear kicks and weird stuff he was doing. So it was hard to work out the range. Mm. Then after I got dropped wearing the firefight, so I'm like, am I even thinking about the range? Yeah, or am right, I trying yeah. to or am I trying to fucking I'm just, just fighting on natural instinct now, you know what I mean? I think towards the end of that round I've started to work out, oh this guy's pretty long. He's pretty rangy, he throws some hooks from down low on a weird angle. It's not like your normal hook, it's more like a bit of a shovel uppercut yeah, hook. Yep. So I'm like, okay. Starting to work that out towards the back end of round one. As round two's going on, I'm like, oh, he's slowing down dramatically and he's not throwing this flashy stuff anymore. Mm. Fair bit more reserved. A lot more on the back foot. That's when I started trying to walk him down, put him on the cage, and I started landing shots. I had him wobbled, I had him sort of hurt, and I was like, okay. We can be safe and we can steal this round. I could like, yeah, move my distance, get back on the outside, move around a bit, jab, shoot a takedown. Or I can do what I come here to do and fucking fight my ass off and win a contract. Mm. My fighting style on the whole local circuit has never been take a dude down and steal points and rounds and win fights that way. And out the back before the fight, I don't know if you've seen, week one of the contender series was fucking horrid. And Dana got every single fighter out the back and he went mad. Like he said, not mad at us, but he was disappointed at what the fighters come in on the first week and what they put out on the table and showed for themselves. Mm. He said, look, you guys have all been selected by Mick and Sean and the UFC staff as the next best talent in the world. 
the most exciting, versatile, fucking best fighters out there that bring experience and fun and excitement and get fans excited about this sport. He's like, this is what you're here for. He's like, please don't do what the guys did last week and try to be safe and steal fights on a takedown and nothing that they ever did in their local circuit career. And I'm looking around the room and fuck, Dana's making eye contact with everyone. He's saying, fucking, you better go out and fight and fucking, you better. I'm looking around the room like, fuck, man, everyone's going to turn it on to you. Like, you can see people are fucking shaking and they're getting pumped up. And what happens from the first fight of the night to the fucking last fight of the night, we're just absolutely bomb burn crackers. Fireworks, man, proper A. Everyone just laid it on the line. Yeah. And like, for me, I don't need Dana to like, like the guys in the week before. A lot of them are exciting in that on the local circuit. But do they need someone to pump them up? For me, I don't need anyone to get me more motivated than the opportunity I have at hand. Yeah, yeah. So round two, I'm like, fuck it. I'm trying to win this fight in fanatic fucking display, right? I want to be exciting and show I can come back from being hurt. I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, and put a dude away. That's fucking obviously really good. And obviously when you fight like that, it's a 50-50. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my coaches are going, fuck, stop doing that, don't do that, do this, fucking. And I'm fucking winging away and trying to put this guy out. Like, Having a blast while that's you're doing just it, surely. How, and like, <laughs> like one of my posts, like, what better job interview could you ever do than do that? Like, you, like I don't care, but... If you go to a job interview, they're pretty fucking boring. Like you sit down, you mm-hmm. talk to the owner of the business. Whatever it is, man, you can't have the owner sit outside the cage and watch you and another human being have the most exciting fight. And still people are saying the most exciting fight of the whole contender series this year. Mm-hmm. So to me, that speaks volume in what I bring. And like, yeah, fuck, after the fight, obviously, Get Dana up, get him in the cage. Never happened before. Yeah, right? That's, that's like, just mental. And I was like thinking like, fuck man. I, like this is a weird thing. For me, after every fight I've ever lost, I've been pretty emotional and pretty, pretty upset because this means a lot to me. After this fight, it was like, we go to the hospital, get a quick check over, you're all good. Head back to the hotel have a shower, chill out by myself for 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, you know what, man? Everything you fucking went through just to get here, you fucking deserve to hold your head high and you don't deserve to be upset with yourself or your performance or anything. To get Dana up out of his seat, to go through all the bullshit with the visa and the flights and the lost passport and the injuries in camp and the append- like, obviously the next day I wake up and I'm fucked from the appendicitis. Like, and I'm like, I'm not going to be down on myself. I'm going to fucking hold my head high and I'm going to be fucking really proud of myself with what I went through and how I held myself and how I conducted myself. I never fucking once looked to take the easy road out. I never looked to pass out during a weight cut and call the UFC and could have fucking called it off right then and there. I never looked for that. So I'm fucking really proud of how I did this whole thing. And no one can take this away from me. I did it by myself. I did it through hard work and perseverance. The resilience, 
and I'm just going to be super fucking happy with myself and who I am as a man. 100%, man. So uh, go have some dinner with the fucking team. Like, we sort of have a little fucking chat about the fight and how I'm feeling. And I, like, tell them, like, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I did on, in my career. And if, this, if I don't get it at the time, like, yeah, you don't get a contract. I went to the hospital. They stay there. They get their contracts. If I don't get anything from this, so be it. Get back to the drawing board. Now the world's opening up. See if I can get some international fights, make some more statements, and get back to the end goal. I'm yeah. like, I'm still not quitting. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. after all the bullshit, I'm still like, I can fucking still get this. Like, and then have some dinner, have a can of coke, right? I fucking, I love, I love coke. <laughs> so through, through <laughs> camp, through camp, I got, I stay away from that. Yeah. From time to time, I'll have a coke, no sugar. That's my thing. Does it hit the same? Does a Coke no sugar hit the same to you? <laughs> no, right, it's way, different, man. right? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. You've, you've probably seen the fucking studies they do with rats when they give them sugar. Like, it's like cocaine, yeah, right? Yeah, it's this yeah, fucking, yeah. it's this thing. It's like that endorphin and that high of like when you win a fight. Like, it's pretty hard to touch the same high. To so, replicate it, yeah. So, like, winning a running race isn't going to be the same as winning a fight, the same way as having a Coke, no sugar is not the same as fucking having a real Coke. And, like, don't get me wrong, I don't drink the shit all the time, but it's like, if I've worked hard and I've done my week and I'm staying on my plan and I've got room to move, that's what I like to do. I don't treat drink, yourself a little bit. Yeah, later. I don't drink alcohol, I don't party. I don't have that outside stresses of all that. Mm. So yeah, that's my little thing where I'm like, oh, fucking worked hard this week. Oh, I'll have a fucking glass of Coke or whatever. So I'm like, have, a, have some food after the fight, have a can of Coke. And then I go up to the hotel that night and straight away, man, like literally it was like within like an hour of dinner, it was like, fuck, my stomach's real sore. And I go have an, I'm like, fuck man, go have another shower, cool down, feel refreshed. I get out of the shower and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, fuck man, your stomach is pretty bloated. True. Like, and for just cutting weight the day before, I'm pretty fucking, like for me to get the fly weight, it's hard work. So mm. I'm pretty lean, I'm pretty fucking vascular and I'm like, fuck man, your gut's pretty big. Like you're pretty bloated and looking a bit swollen. And I'm like, and like all day before the fight, I've only eaten my food that I know what I have on the day leading up to the fight good, clean, healthy food that I've been having all camp. So I know it's not that. I'm like, uh, maybe it's the Coke, maybe it was the fucking burger and the chips or the whatever. So I go to bed, sweet, wake up in the morning and I'm like, fuck man, I have this pain in my stomach. Like, I haven't had food for like two weeks. Yeah, right. I'm like, I'm fucking, well, that's what I thought it was. I'm like, I'm so hungry. I'm like, I need to fucking eat. And the boys are like, Dean and that, they're upstairs in their room. I've got Ben, in, ben 10 in the room with me. I'm like, fuck, I'm just gonna get some oats out, make some oats, put some fruit in it and eat. And then when all the boys wake up and we get ready, we'll go down and feed. have some food. So I have that and then I'm like, man, that didn't even change any of the pain. And then the boys all get up, get ready, head downstairs, go to a restaurant. The boys are like, what are you, what are you gonna order? And I'm like, Man, to be honest, I don't even feel like eating. I'm like, my stomach's real sore. And I'm like, I've got this real fucking bad pain. Like. And then I'm like to Dean, 
fuck, bro, maybe I ate too much last night and I've got like an obstructed bear. Like, what Rob Whitaker got. I like, think maybe that fucking burger and wings and coke and shit just got caught stuck up in, in there. my stomach. Yeah. And he's like, oh, go up, like, have a hot shower and shit. See how you feel. See if, like, the warm water fucking, like, chills it out. And then, like, yeah, I'm back in the room, chilling on my bed. I'm fucking shivering and I'm trembling, like, shaking. And I'm like, fuck, man, my stomach's... I go in the bathroom. I'm trying to make myself throw up. I'm like, fucking idiot, this food out, bro. Like, it's, mm. it's fucking clogged me up or something. And then I'm trying to spew up and I'm like, I can't spew up. Well, obviously the food's went down. There's there, nothing there, yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. And then Dean come back in and I'm like, I'm shaking on the ed- edge of my bed. And he's like, mate, we're going to the hospital. He like makes, and I'm like trying to tell him, nah, bro, I'm good. And he's like, you're not good. He's like, there's something wrong with you. Oh, all right. This is Danny Rube, is it? Sorry. No, no. This is Dean, my strength and conditioning oh, strength coach. Oh, your strength. Yeah, sorry, my. So apologies. we, so we ring, so we ring Danny Rubenstein. I go, hey, bro, like something's up. Then Dean talks to him, like, think something's up. Need to go get him checked out. He goes, oh, he's, he's probably fucking got food poisoning or something. Like, you had food at the fucking casino or whatever. But it's all good. We'll get a UFC car out, grab you, take you down to the hospital where the UFC doctor is. He'll meet you, I'll take you straight through. So we get there, like, <laughs> the emergency is full, people everywhere. The UFC guy comes out, he's like, mate, fucking come through. He's like, that was a fucking crazy fight last <laughs> night. Because, like, obviously he's there, he's like one of the physicians, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the doctors on, on the, at the fight show. He's like, that was a fucking crazy fight. He goes, you Australians, he goes, you fucking... They do fucking breed them tough down under. And I'm like, he's like pumped. He's just like excited to fucking see me. And you're in and agony. I, and I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'd love to talk to you about this fight. <laughs> but I don't fucking feel like I'm dying right now. Yeah. And he's like, look, take you straight through. Do a CT scan of you, see what's going on. He's like, did you wear any body shorts? I'm like, not really. I'm like, fucking nothing that presented any trouble in the fight or after. So do the CT scan and he comes, puts us in a room, he comes back and he goes, mate, I've got to do some bloods on you right now. He goes, you've got a ruptured appendix. And I'm like, I look at him and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean I've got a ruptured appendix? And he's like, mate, it's fully ruptured. And he's like, we're doing the, like he goes, the nurses are coming right now, they're doing bloods, they're going to put you on a drip, they're going to put you on antibiotics because it's ruptured, like it's pretty bad. Comes back after they do the bloods, like 20 minutes, like they're like fucking yeah, fast right tracking it, it yeah. right? And I'm like, this is fucking cool because in Australia it's like, ah, oh, oh, wait in the emergency two, three hours. Bro, like, it's disgusting, isn't it? Bro, so I'm like, fuck, he's just doing back and forth, comes back with the bloods and he's like, mate, he's like, you've got full blown septicemia, like you've got full blood poisoning. He's like, if you fly out today, mm. He's like, 100%, like, if it's a later flight today and you do 14 hours, he's like, you could die, like, 100% die. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck, like, this is getting pretty wild. And then, like, the nurse is doing the drips, she's, and she goes, oh, you know who, who Deanie is? And I'm like, yeah, like, sort of does, like, all the crazy stunts. And, like, she goes, yeah, appendicitis killed him. Mm. And I'm like... What the yeah. fuck? Well, thanks for that. Thanks yeah, for I'm telling like, me that, eh? <laughs> so, like, the, the craziest dude that does the most insane things in life 
can't die from them, right? But then appendicitis kills, kills him, him, and then I'm like, what, I'm like, what are these? <laughs> are these no. people trying to scare me? Yeah, like, yeah. So then, bro, it was just like, yeah, fucking, getting me ready for surgery, getting that happening. I obviously called Denny, tell him, tell my team, fuck, they call back, they're like, Shen's going in for surgery. She's like, what like, What are you talking about? He's going in for surgery. Oh, did he break his hand or like, my last fight yeah, I broke my yeah, hand, yeah. like, something fight related. Like, no, nah, he's got a full blown, like, a ruptured appendix. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, was so she yeah. stressing at that point? Or was she pretty, oh, like, I were, reckon- you, were you stressing or did you think you were going to be pretty sweet? No, I wasn't stressing at all. I was just trying to deal with the pain and yeah. these fuck, bro. I was running like a 42 degree temp yeah. and I was yeah. thinking I was cold, right? Mm. I was shivering. Mm. And I'm like talking to this nurse. I was like seeing her walking past. I'm like, oh, hey, can you grab me some warm blankets? So she brings me back warm blankets and like heat packs and that. And like, obviously I'm running a 40. I'm not supposed to have that. I'm no, supposed to be the opposite, be the right? Bath, man. Yeah. So then... I'm still shaking under these warm blankets. This is before I go for surgery that night. And then I'm like, I get to this point where I'm just like, this is too much. I ring the button, bro. I'm like, I need help. And they come in and I'm just like shaking in the bed. And the chick like calls there like, quick, quick, like fucking come in, I need help. And then bro, I don't really remember what else happened. Like, I don't know if they fucking sedated me or I passed out or what, but like, I was shaking so violently that they've like all ran in and started trying to steal my blankets. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. you're not having my blankets, yeah, no, I'm cold. Yeah. <laughs> so then they take them off me, start putting ice packs all over me. And then that's mm. when like, I wake up a couple of hours later, just like, I must have just either passed out or fucking fallen asleep. Or, and then I wake up and I'm just sweating, bro. And there's like ice packs all over me. And then we're ready to go in for the surgery. Get the surgery, come out. like. Come out, I check my phone, like, I think half an hour after I wake up sort of thing. I've got like a few missed calls from my wife. I've got a few missed calls from Danny. The boys, like my two, Dean Phelps and Aaron and Ben Tan, they're like back at the hotel and they're doing some stuff. Like, I'm like, boys, don't hang out at the hospital with me. Go have a look around fucking Vegas. Like, at least If you're going to be stuck here, yeah. you may as well go if have a look. Yeah. If we're all stuck here, go have a look around, go to some fucking, I don't know, some pool parties, do whatever, enjoy like, enjoy it, right? I don't want to take away from your experience. So then like, get some calls, they're coming back down, and then I call my wife, I'm like, hey, just got out of surgery, what's happening, how are you, all good? She's like, look, I've been emailing Mick Maynard, and I'm like, what do you mean you've been emailing me? And she's like, well, I just thought like, he should know that you're in the hospital, you get in surgery, you had appendicitis through the whole fight. It'll be nice if fucking maybe they went down and visited you and fucking said thanks for all the hardship you went through, not pulling out, not fucking taking the easy road. And I was like, one, you're a psycho, but you're <laughs> like, you're like, she's like, yeah. I the found, best kind though, right? She's like, I found Mick's email in the, in like one of the correspondence emails through when the passport was missing, right? She's like, I went back through and I've got it and I've emailed him. And she's like, yeah, he started replying. He started emailing me back. And he wants to talk to you and he wants to call him and I've got his number and here's his number. And I'm like, 
Yeah, like you're an absolute legend, eh? Like, oh, who needs Danny like, Rube when you've got your missus, right, like, bro? <laughs> like, same thing in Abu Dhabi, right? Like, when all the shit went down with, like, getting home through quarantine, mm. my missus is the one that got us the flights home. Yeah, and, like, yeah. So she's just, like, an absolute hustler, man. She just doesn't stop. She, like, even I'm ready to go down to Volks in a couple of days. She's sorting out my flights and my Airbnb and she's hustling the Airbnb people, like, nah, I'll do it for this price. Like, she just always has a crack at it. Yeah. And like, so yeah, she goes, yeah, Mick wants you to call him. I'm sending you his number through. I'm like, all right, I'll just call Denny quickly because he's been trying to call me too. So I called Denny and I'm like, yo, Denny. And like, for some reason, I can't make normal calls. I can only do FaceTime on the internet in the oh, hospital, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, FaceTime, I'm just out of surgery. I'm like, uh. And he's like, how are you, man? I'm like, oh, I'm, I've done better. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've yeah. been better before, but I'm good. We're fucking on the mend now. We've had it done. He's talking to me and he's like, look, Mick and Dana were trying to call me at 4 a.m. And I'm like, look, in the morning, just gone. And he's like, yeah, like, so obviously that's the night after the fight, like mm -hmm. 4 a.m. And I'm like, because he, he goes, I'm in New York for PFL right now. So he's flown straight out after my fight or whatever. He's went to the PFL. He's like, yeah, they're trying to call me out 4 a.m. in the morning. And I'm like, same sort of thing with Steve, right? He's sort of like yeah, telling yeah, me about yeah. this person. And, like, and I'm, like, hey, I'm like, yeah, what are they calling you about, bro? Like, let us in. Like, let us in on the gag here. And he's like, bro, you're getting signed. He goes, they were fucking over the moon, like with the performance and then finding out all this stuff. All the like, shit you had to go through. He goes, mate, Mick and Dana were just fucking absolute pumped. He goes, you got Dana in the cage, never happened before. Yeah, yeah. He goes, that's something to be fucking proud of. Look, he goes, you're getting a contract. He goes, it's, and like, it's all coming through, sign whatever you need to sign, get it back to me and we're done. And then like, he's like, are you happy? And I'm like, I'm just so lost at this point. Like, <laughs> what is this roller coaster that I've been on? Like, I'm so lost for like, and I'm so drained from all of it, right? I'm just so like, fuck. And I've just got out of the surgery. And I'm like, man, I'm so happy. Like, on the inside, I'm cheering and celebrating. But I'm laying down in this hospital bed and I'm fucking all cut up. And in I'm a like, foreign country. Yeah, no and I'm just yeah. like, on the outside, I don't look happy, <laughs> but trust me, I, I can't move, right? I'm like, I'm fucking like cheering on the inside. Like, I'm so happy, man. Like, to think maybe you're not getting what you worked for for all these years and you still persevered through all that hardship and you still laid it on the line and give it a good hot crack and you fucking didn't take any shortcuts. And to get that confirmation of like... To be recognised for all that, yeah. To, yeah, to get that recognition and like, just that fucking... The backing from the UFC, like, this guy fucking had a crack and yeah. he, he didn't give up and he's... And like, the appendicitis and all that shit, it's like... To get that recognition and get what I worked for and get that contract, it was like... It was just, it was phenomenal, man. I ring my wife back and I'm like, and like the boys get down, like my corner and that, and like I don't tell anyone. I'm like, I'm telling my wife first, I'm gonna FaceTime her. But the boys are here now, so everyone's gonna find out at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah, So I like FaceTime her, and it's like 9 a.m., maybe a little bit later, 1, 8, 1 p.m. there in Vegas, like after the surgery and that, which is like, it's still early, 6 a.m. here. Mm. 
And I'm like, you good? Like I messaged her, you good for a call? She's like, yeah, cool, the kids are out, like we're awake. So I FaceTime, I talk to the kids, I'm talking to her, I'm like, she's like, what did Nick say? Like, are they coming down to visit you? And I'm like, guess what? And she's like, what? I'm like, I got a contract. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I just got like, just got so and then the boys are sitting there and they're like, they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, what are you making? They're, they're fucking jumping up. Like, Oh, Dean, he jumps up, he's like fucking shaking it. I'm like, oh, in the bed, like, fuck. And like, everyone is like, it just like, the room erupts. And like, oh, that's mental, it just man. like, I'll fucking get emotional. I'll start sort of getting a bit teary in there. Like, fuck, man, we got it done. Now the next task is get home, get fit, recover. Get ready for the debut. Now we're looking at this fucking extreme card in Perth which is early pre-sales sold out in five, pre-sales sold out in five, tickets sold out in fucking how long, bro. You don't need to tell me about it, man. I missed that altogether. Like, to do a show in Australia and only have a 16,000 capacity arena, which is insane to think UFC, Izzy and Rob did 57,000. In Marvel Stadium, Exactly. So, like, to think 16,000, a quarter of the capacity... You know it's going to sell out. And I'm like, they haven't made my fight, like, sort of announced yet. So I can't tell anyone, hey, I'm fighting. Fucking grab your tickets. So I'm, like, sort of trying to hint here and there, like, getting ready for the debut, like, hashtag in Perth and fucking whatnot. Just before you go, let's check these. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm trying to give like the little hints to like the local fans and my fans and friends and family like you better be fucking quick like this thing's gonna sell like hotcakes like Mm. and then like the announcements start coming for the fights they're making and it's like Izzy versus Makachev for the lightweight title I mean Alex sorry for the lightweight title Robin Costa like then you got They've made the interim title, Josh Emmett and Yair. Yair Rodriguez, yeah. Like, and then you got like Justin Tuffer, and you got you got Jack Just Jack Farr, the Aussies. other contender guy. Yeah. You got Josh Calabria. You got Jimmy Crew. Jimmy Crew. Like the cards just—it's Actually, turned insane. Man. Yeah. And then like nearly at the moment, anyway, I think every fight has an Australian Kiwi in it. That's been announced. Yeah. Yeah, so by like, that, by that uh, interim title fight, yeah. By the yeah. interim title. So, like, yeah. for this region and, like, how this sport is grown, that is, f- like, it's phenomenal it's and it's mental, huge. It? And, like, every time the UFC comes here, you see the local circuit grows a bit more and then more fighters start coming through the ranks and start un- undercovering more, more local talent and people. The sport grows and it gets bigger and it becomes this more mainstream sport. Like, you talk about, like, MMA and fighting in the cage 13 years ago when I was fighting, man. You had to be linked to the bikies or some underground fucking mob and it was a, it was a grab at money or some weird thing, right? And now, like, to see how far it's came from then and see a platform like 
what amateurs and guys on the local circuit have to fight on and yeah. get ready. Like, Eternal MMA, doing shows, Queensland, Perth, Melbourne, like, building that infrastructure for the sport, and, like, I really feel like Cam is that only guy, Cam and Ben, obviously, are the only guys that have stepped out of their comfort zone. Like, yeah, Eternal used to just do Queensland, Southeast, here on the Gold Coast, do Coolangatta Hotel and the small venues, right? And they've grown, but now they're taking that chance and they're pushing to grow the sport on the low. They're doing Perth and they're trying to do these Melbourne events. And man, like no other, what other promoters doing that? Yeah, like no one, no one, no one else is, it's, don't get me wrong, all the other promoters are great because it still builds talent. And, but this, this like level that these new guys coming through have to perform on now, is absolutely phenomenal and like it's a gift really because I didn't have that. No, I used to fight in PCYCs yeah. and basketball courts and fuck down at Coffs Harbour at fucking RSLs and these weird dingy sort of looked down upon venues and it wasn't this big limelight show and all this cool stuff that come with it. Like Eternal's got they do their gear you get to fight on there now. They had engaged for a while, giving the fighters all their gear. So as a young fighter coming up, you have all these extra stuff that you get and like, and it's building the sport, which is awesome, man. And like, I think once 284 happens, the local jumps again, like it builds and it gets better. Yeah, 100%. And like, we can see like the, the caliber of fighters down here in Australia, we're, we're world class and... It took a while to get recognized, yeah, mate, but it's just insane, it's like, right? I, I look back to the same thing as like the UFC during COVID picking up Australian fighters, like you're all the way down there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you guys are the furthest away in the world, right? And like during COVID, it was the hardest country to get visas and leave the country and flights and you had to come home on hotel quarantine for two weeks that was four grand and all that bullshit. Mm. now it's gone it's like opening up that avenue but also what the fighters that have done in the ufc over the last five years have shown that we are high level fighters athletes and we belong on the world stage so now i think the ufc are looking like they're not all the way down there. No. Like they are, but it's like we can make it's it a happen. Big talent pool it's, down you there. know what I mean? Yeah, it's, a, it's a whole untapped part of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now it's it's just I think down here is going to explode in the next two to four years and it's gonna it's gonna be insane. Cannot wait. We should probably talk about your fight opposite Cleetson Rodriguez just yep. a little bit. Um, initial thoughts on the matchup. I know you said you like the matchup. Why what is it about it that you like so much? <laughs> I like any matchup, to be honest. For me, I've never picked fights. I've never, I've never dilly-daddled around who I fight. I want to be the best. And in the UFC, I want to be the best. I'm not going to lie and not hide away from that. So whoever they put in front of me, I have to beat. And I want to beat. He obviously, Cleetson obviously shows like a few things that I'll need to obviously beat and counter and work on to solidify this fight. It's a good challenge. He's obviously coming through the contender series, getting his contract through there. Um, I like the style because 
<laughs> it's going to be exciting. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting fight. I think I, they knew what they were doing when they put this one together, eh? Like, Mick and Sean are very smart of how, how they make fights. And obviously where I think I'm going to be on the cards somewhere in those first, maybe, I would like to say, fourth fight in the night. But they're the curtain opener, that fight that fucking gets the crowd pumped exactly. and going and yep. energetic, right? You have a couple, you lead them in, you get them going, then you bring that fight that brings the fireworks and gets the fans out of their seat. And I know I get them out of it. I get Dana out of his seat. Who does that? Like, who? I see Dana sometimes and the fights are happening and he's on his phone and he's fucking, bro, you're fucking, like, you know what I mean? Like, I get you, I get you. Excite your boss. Yeah, get the man yeah. out of your seat. Like, that's your job. That's that's your job. That's why you were hired. You were hired to perform. And let's not beat around the bush. This is an entertainment sport, the most high entertainment sport that there is on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more real than two people fighting each other. You look back in the Coliseum days, and like, that's what they used to do back then. And when that got a little bit boring and mundane. Hey, fuck, throw some lions yeah, throw in there, you know? <laughs> like, throw some fucking horses and carriages. Let's make this even more entertaining. Yeah, it is pure so, entertainment. So when now, like this that. is the most pure form of entertainment you can get. That mm -hmm. is your job. You go to entertain. If that scares you and you don't want to do it, do not sign that contract. That's not a job for you. Like, that you can have any... You can... You want to grapple, you can go and grapple. You can do... Grappling can be very exciting. It can be very mundane as well. Mm. There's guys that are super exciting grapplers. But fighting, it's different. Like, you, I, I sometimes say sport, but is it a sport or is it, is it something else? Is it this, is it this untapped thing that we we it, don't know what to name yet, right? It is, but it is. It's an art, though, yeah. right? It has to be because I mean, yeah, it is a sport, but I don't have any sports where people get as injured yeah, as they're like, doing this, you know? I played football, I played soccer, I played baseball, I played a lot of sports. A lot of sports you can hide behind your teammates. Mm -hmm, when it's mm -hmm. not going right, you've got other people to lean on. When, you know what I mean, you're not actually trying to damage people. You're trying to put a, a ball over the line and that's, that's how you win. Yeah. This is you put a fist in a person's cranium and you knock them unconscious. Like, that's how you win. That is how you win. Yeah. Or you rip a knee apart or you choke them unconscious and drop them on the floor. Like, it's a very, very different sport. If we say the intentions, a, the intentions are just all different for to begin with. Man. You can't play fighting. No, like, that's we right. play football, we play soccer, we play these sports. You cannot play. And that's where I get my confidence when I go into fights. It's like, I oh, know I haven't been playing. I haven't been taking the easy road. And that'll be the exact same with UFC 284. When I fight Cleetson Rodriguez, I'll be ready, I'll be primed. I'm gonna disappear from the family and kids for a couple weeks right now. Monday I fly down to Wingdang. I'm going to go do a couple weeks down there with Alex and the team. Um, if it's a good fit for me, I'll probably do my whole camp out of there. Yep. I think it's going to be an extremely awesome environment in that room. Um, you got the featherweight world champ fighting for the lightweight world title. There's going to be this energy and I feel like I can bring a little bit of energy to that room as well. Um, and I think right now that's who I need to be surrounded with. I need to be in that energy and that environment where there's no plan. Mm. There's hard work. There's, we're doing this for reasons. 
and we're all rocking up to Perth and we're all going out and laying everyone out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's how I look going forward. Like, yeah. you work so hard and it's not like a cocky or anything like that, but like, why should I not in, give myself that chance to perform at that level to have the best performance and be confident in the way I want to win? Yeah. So I feel like in saying that, I can manifest that into happening. The same yeah. as like the passport stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Borgie, if that's you, and then next minute his mum's like telling the whole freaking Molendana yeah, Australia you know, Post, you, you saw this shit. Like, <laughs> so like manifesting that is a big thing. And like, yeah. I think manifesting and like also doing the work to be able to put myself in the position to win is what's going to be done. So I'm fucking extremely excited and I'm excited for these next couple of weeks. And just to go down and feel that energy with Volk and obviously Joe Lopez and whoever else is coming in, I don't know, but I would say like, I would say Josh Calabell maybe come in, he's gonna be fighting, he's Sydney. Obviously they're gonna bring some awesome dudes in for Volk, he's yeah. gonna be obviously, he he's gonna be doing the same thing as what I do, is laying everything on the line so he can give himself the best chance to win. We've seen that firsthand with how he performs and how dedicated he is to his craft mm -hmm. and yeah I think it's just going to be an awesome experience down there and fuck it, lead to bigger and better things. 100% man. Do you go into this fight having lost the last one despite getting the contract do you go into this fight feeling like you've got something to prove maybe more so than normal? Or do you um, not look at it like that at all? No nah, not really. I think I proved in that fight with <laughs> obviously everything I went through and how how I performed, I'm, I'm proven that I'm suited for that yeah. environment and that that level of competition and the world stage. So I don't think I have to prove anything. I think- No chip <laughs> on the shoulder or anything? No, not at all. Like, yeah, it's cool to fight another Brazilian and look at making this a one-on-one -one sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. We go one-on-one -on -one and down the track, yeah, let's see who's best out of three. I have, like, I have no, worries if that sort of stuff i want to fight the best guys and if he's one of the next best guys let's both get in there and shut the door and see who comes out on the other side i don't think i have anything to prove because i believe in my skills and i believe in who i am as a person and how i hold and conduct myself that i think when i get in there i can i just doing what i do proves who i am yeah and yeah obviously I'm coming to win no matter what. And that's like, people are going to like, oh, you're going to be safe this fight, it's the first fight. Are you... Bro, am I going to be safe if I fight on Eternal? Like what's the point, what's, am I, or am I going to try to fight how I fight and be violent and be vicious and- Do what's gotten you the victory in the past. Do what's gotten me to this, yeah. this, this chance, right? Yeah. You see guys, they, they fight a certain style all the way up until they get to the big stage and then all of a sudden they're taking guys down and they're holding on and they're, they're, not, they're not who they showed they are. And then they get in this little rut and then they sometimes a lot of them hit and they have exciting fights again and being safe, that's, I don't know, it's not in my vocabulary. I'm going to try to be smarter and faster and better better in tune with myself and more perceive, like, mind smart, perceivable and use that. But safe is not a word in fighting. Mm -hmm. where, where do you be safe? Yeah, do you hide yeah. in the corner? Do you, 
Um, so yeah, for me, that's not a thing. Like, having to prove anything, obviously going there, I believe I can win and I'm, that's what I'm going there for. And then, also the same thing is like, you look at Michael Chandler, he's two and three out of five in the UFC. But do you think he's getting dropped anytime soon? There's not a person in the world so. that's not tuning in to watch exactly that Exactly right. right. So every, when Michael Chandler gets signed up, same as Dustin Poirier, you win and you lose. But like, I think the UFC are more now in tune to like, like I was saying, the entertainment factor mm-hmm. and what you bring to the fight. It's not so crucial if you win. It's, it's great to win for career progression and get into the title, which is what I want to get to one day. And that's what, what I'm trying to do. So don't get me wrong in saying lo- winning or losing is not massive. But I think how you perform is massive. Yeah. You can win a fight and hold the guy down for three rounds and you fucking get booted, right? Like, what fans or, do you or, win? Yeah, like, you can do that on the contender and not get a contract. Like, we've seen with, with Jack, right? Like, he had a phenomenal performance. He took the dude down and dominated the guy. And he ended up ultimately TKOing the guy in the third. And there was blood everywhere. And, and like, for me, like Dana saying, on a night that you might not have got a contract, this is the last show, we're going to give you one. Can you please come out and show us how you usually fight? Like, yeah, show us yeah. that excitement. And Jack's phenomenal, man. He's phenomenal everywhere. And his kickboxing and boxing's insane. He's, he's a very good reader of distance. And But you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can win. You can close out a win easily. And it's, that's not what they're looking for. Yeah. So for me, I'm looking to win. But I'm looking to win excitingly. And... Yeah, that's that's how I plan to fight for my whole UFC career. I want to be the Michael Chandler, the Dustin Poirier, the Dan Hookers, like the guys that go in there and put it on the line and have these fucking wars and build this, build a fan base on myself as another one of these guys that is exciting and high level and just has that non, no die attitude. Like, so that's kind of what what I wanted to ask you next, and maybe we should. This might be the last one because I've held you yep. for like an hour and no, a half right. already, man. Um, looking back on your UFC career at the end of it all, yep. what do you want to look back and have accomplished? What do you want to look back on it? Like, what do you think will mean the most to you to have accomplished in that time? Number one, get into that title, yeah. winning that title. Like a lot of people say, get into that title, but for me, it's more winning that title. Obviously, at the moment, being out of the rankings, being coming in as a debut, but I'm not scared to say that that's my goal. Yeah. I, that is where I want to go. That is why I got into this sport when I started watching it. It was not to just make the UFC. It was to get to the top and win the title. And that's what I want to do. And I want to show people from around here that like a kid like myself, young, growing up, single parent family, probably not the greatest upbringing but if you set your mind to it and you dedicate and you stay persistent and you build resilience you can get there and I can I've got here from the Gold Coast I haven't went to any fancy big gyms and I haven't disappeared overseas to learn we got awesome coaches down here and now the talent's getting massive so for me that's number one is to win that title to obviously win that title and set my legacy up as an, another Australian that's won a title and done that. And then 
to, to set my family and my future up as from being a professional athlete. Like, this is the first time I've, I've stopped working my whole fight career. I've always worked up until a week or two before the fight. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to have 8, 10, 12 weeks to get ready for a fight without working. I better fucking turn up some different caliber fighter that's fucking, I don't, you know what I mean? I get like, you, I get if you. you give me, I used to have one or two weeks without work, you give me 12 weeks, I better come in rare, like hot, knocking dudes out quick, fucking performing. That's. Is that, is that bittersweet? I mean, so obviously leaving work, one of the benefits is spend, getting more time to spend with the family and stuff like that. Yep. Is that bittersweet now that you're going to go down to freestyle and, you know, just coming out of work to not being able to spend that time with the family or is that that's just part, part and parcel with where you're at at the moment? It is a little bit, but it's also a thing that I know has got to be done. Yeah. I've got to put myself in an environment where the people are... Everyone's working towards this goal of being the best in the world and that's what I want to be, so that's where I've got to go. Yeah. And my kids and my wife, they totally understand that. Like you said, like stopping work, I probably stopped work two weeks, two, three weeks ago now. And man, like I used to have this like, cause my dad was never in my life when I was growing up. Mm. So I used to have this thing with my boy and my daughter and the girls like, I need to be there more I'm, because I never had it. So I was like, I need to fucking be there for school drop-offs. I want to pick my boy up from school when he's at, he's just started prep and he's in this new environment. I want to show him I'm there for him. and I. I want to be this phenomenal dad. Like, I want to show him all this and I want to show him I'm around. And then like, he's six now, but the first few years was like, I was working 40 hours a week. I was training before work. I was training after work. I would get home, he would be asleep. I can't just go in and wake him up because then my wife goes, you're killing my routine. You're waking the baby up. Like, so for nights, I would, like days on end, sometimes I would not get to see my kids. And then I had my daughter and the same thing, I'm working. But these last three, four weeks and the lead up to Contender Series, I've had this time off work where I can like wake up at home, have breakfast. I haven't, I haven't left early, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, I'm waking yeah. up, I'm having breakfast. I'm seeing the routine my wife goes through with getting the kids ready for school and all that sort of stuff and I get to take him to school and I get to pick him up and I get to bring him into training and like now it's like the sacrifice of missing out on those first few years of and having those days on end where I wouldn't see him having that sacrifice is like the repayment now where I get to not have to work yeah. and I get to be a professional athlete but I get to have more time with my kids and my family yeah, and out of camp that's going to be massive in camp, if we spend the whole camp at Wingding, that's a necessity that needs to be done and a sacrifice. And when I get back, I'm not at work at all. So I, I train and I have, yeah. I have more hours on the day where I can hang out with you. And Saturdays and Sundays, I'm not disappearing for training and riding my bike on the road to burn calories and doing this stuff that I'm not at home. Guess what? I'm right here. Like we can, I can now I can get to go watch him play soccer on Wednesday Arvos before I go train. Like, because I'm not at work. So yeah. at 3.30, I'm there, I'm not at work. It's like this, I'm so grateful, man, because for me as a kid growing up, never having that. And now going through that hardship on the, the last five, six years of my career, not knowing if I would ever get that was very risky because I was like, fuck, if I don't make this, I don't ever get the chance to be there more. 
and then making it as like like I say, like I get emotional because like yeah, not only now did I like fulfill a lifelong goal, it's like it opens up all these other avenues in my family life where I get to give back to my kids more and get give back to my wife and help out more around the house and be that father and that that presence of like who the kids should grow up to be and like I really hope like showing them what I've done gives them that career tra trajectory is like anything you do and you want to do in life you can do it I did it coming from nothing so now they've got my support I hope they do what they want to do in life man that's again giving me goosebumps yeah, hearing dude, you like, talk like that man that's crazy um last thing are they are they going to be in Perth? Are they going to be in the crowd watching you? I mean, I know we just saw Frankie Edgar bring his kids and obviously not a great yep. result there. Are you, are you, have they been to your fights before, any of the kids? Uh, no. No. They, yeah. have, they haven't been live to my fights. They've watched a fair few of them on, like live on yeah, TV yeah. and at home, in, like just the comfort and the, the, the environment of it safe like yeah fighting can be a very uncomfortable feeling for, oh it can be brutal, even for like man, adults right? and even for like grown-up human beings that they can understand this is just a sport so for kids it could be that little bit like overwhelming yeah like, yeah obviously the older my older girls taya and lacy they understand like a lot more because they're 14 and 15 yeah. so they understand this is a sport and this is i'm a professional athlete like we're not fighting someone at the pub yeah, or the yeah, street, yeah. Right? <laughs> so they understand Nick's, he's six, Savani's three, they watch the Contender Series live. They'll probably stay home. My wife will definitely come over. Um, my wife's been through a lot of fight weeks with me and a lot of weight cuts and a lot of... So she really knows how I work and how I operate and what I need. So it'd be phenomenal to have her there for that sort of stuff. As well as, like, she deserves to enjoy this journey as well. Not only is this my dream and my goal, like we were talking about like the 2022, the start of the year, I was almost going to quit, right? She was the one that said I wasn't allowed. Yeah. She's like, you're not allowed to quit. Yeah, this is your dream and your goal, but what about all the people that have sacrificed for you as well? Like, she's sacrificed a lot. The kids have sacrificed a lot. I've got a lot of coaches that have sacrificed time and effort and brain power and money and... So she said, like, what about us? Like, what about, this is my dream as well. I've been with you for 12, 13 years pushing through this. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So for her, like, 100% she's going to come along because I want her to see this dream unfolding while I see it. See the fight week activities and how the UFC rolls out as a, the business and the, the weigh-ins and the getting your gear package and all that. I want her to see that firsthand and I want, to be, want her to be a part of it so she gets to live the dream as well. Like, that's only fair. She sacrificed so much for me to get here so we give back and she gets to come on the ride 100%. Like, seeing Frankie the last few fights, like, Frankie's, like, the main reason why I got into MMA. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I told you when we did the podcast, yeah. like, seeing him versus Gray Maynard is, like, Fuck those fights insane and like that's what I was like I'm gonna do that shit I was like I'm gonna do that and then seeing his last fight like yeah it would have been beautiful to see him go out on a win and a few better performances on the back end of the career but like it's the game you play right it's, the, it's such a it's such a crazy game that that stuff can happen at any split second of the fight and he knows that and he's signed up and um, yeah to see him for me right now 
getting the kids in there and have them in that environment, that's not the main thing. The main yeah. thing is yeah. getting there, performing, winning, and progressing forward in the rankings and showing the UFC and giving them the no, like letting them know, yeah, the contract we gave this guy after losing on the contender series was well worth fucking our like our back like backing him. Yeah. So like I want to go there, perform, show the UFC that they give me the contract for a reason, perform for them, perform for the fans of Australia. I'm gonna have a lot of people coming over from this side. So yeah, that's that's my goal. And be focused, be like in that mindset. Like being a fighter is a weird thing. You get to fight weekend, like you've got to flick the switch. Like okay, we're going to war. Like for me anyway, it's like we're going to war now. Mm. And you have the kids, like the kids around you, you've got to be soft with kids. You've got to be gentle. You've got to be loving and caring and like- It's a whole different energy. This is the time where I'm, that's not who I am. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to like disassociate those two things and I'm going to work now and I'm working and after the fight, I'm back to being a dad and being that loving, caring father figure. And then we get plenty of time to hang out and get fat and eat cake and do whatever. Like, that's the goal. So man, yeah, that's, hey. that's the plan, man. Like, just yeah, it's like it's it's hard to be away from them, but they understand, and they're gonna once they get older, they're gonna know like, yeah. oh, dad did this for a reason. Yeah, so for it's, us, yeah. It's uh, I'm I'm fucking really excited for Perth, man. It's um, the card is just shaping up phenomenally. I'm already in great con like a good condition right now, good weight. I've got 12, 13 weeks ahead of me, mm -hmm. like, and no work. I'm like. Let's see what I can really do now. Like Get this is the thing. Like let's see what we can do without working, and let's see what we can do in an environment full of killers. And so that excites me. That gets me really amped up. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You've got me g'd up for it too, 100. <laughs> I, so I, I cannot thank you enough for your time today, awesome, dude. Man. Cheers, heaps. Um, get some footage of this sparring, eh? Yeah, bro. Perfect. If you got anyone here, let's get it done.